0: In the spring of 2018, the Republic of Armenia was gripped by over a month of demonstrations that culminated in what the new Prime Minister, Nikol Pashinyan, would dub a Velvet Revolution. The issues that brought people to the streets were many, but the first step was a change of government. Now, a new generation of Armenian voters seek to confront an array of social and economic problems in a climate of unprecedented opportunity for expression and debate.
1: <laughs> what you're
0: hearing is the introduction to Akanjo,
2: the first Armenian podcast on feminism.
0: The creators of Akancho.
1: i And my name is Gohar Khachatryan.
0: Are two of the many new voices to emerge in post-revolutionary Armenia.
1: I feel like a podcast culture can become a thing here.
0: This past year, the Media Initiative Center in Armenia, funded by the U.S. Embassy, announced a grant competition called Listen to Me Now.
1: They basically wanted to create a cultural podcast in Armenia. There was a competition and a lot of people applied. They trained us, they gave us all the equipment, and they sort of released us into the world.
0: By the end of summer 2019, Anahit and Gohar had already released five episodes of their new program.
1: I feel like it's important to call them to call ourselves feminist and change the idea of the what who a feminist is.
0: In this interview, Anahit Gohar and I discuss the importance and challenges of reaching an Armenian language audience.
1: We try to make it not boring yeah. and funny because there's this idea that feminists don't have a sense of humor. Mm. So, you know, we want to... <laughs> and also it's important to translate the world into a Armenian. We
0: also talk about the renewed importance of feminism in Armenia's revolutionary moment. This
1: year we had prime minister and then people in government talk about women's rights, and that was just... Such a small thing, but such a big thing at the same time.
0: And we discuss the role of this new media in reaching people in Armenia and the diaspora.
1: They need to hear voices of these young people, young generation, who are, who are ready for change. I'm
0: Chris Grayton. Join me in this special Ottoman History Podcast interview with the creators of Akan Jogh.
1: You know, we have all these women who can do amazing things if you give them an opportunity, and chance. And we need those women. If there's any future for Armenia,
0: Gohar, Anahit, welcome.
1: Thank you for having us here. Thank you for hosting us. Yeah. It's
0: a real treat to have uh, new podcasters on the program. I always like to uh, learn more about how the medium is spreading. And actually, if we can start off our conversation, I'll turn to you, Gohar, on my left, and ask you about sort of where this podcast comes from. I mean, podcasts in the US are something that has existed for a long time. There's so many podcasts, maybe more podcasts than people even. Uh, but in Armenia, this is a totally new thing. Why do you think Armenia needs this medium?
1: Because listening to a podcast is the best use of your time as you walk in the city. And I feel like Yerevan is very walkable. People walk here all the time. And like you said, it's a fairly new thing. Like a few months ago, we only had two podcasts. That's that's crazy. Yeah. In all of Armenia? And all of Armenia.
0: In the Armenian language.
1: One of them is in Armenian, the other is in English. Hmm. The EVN Report had a podcast and Radio for Liberty. Hmm. But there's so many stories that can be told. I feel like a podcast culture can become a thing here.
0: is ripe for podcast mm-hmm. revolution. Absolutely. Yeah, and we'll talk about how that plays into Armenia's ongoing revolution as we get a little further in our program. Uh, but I thought it was interesting, the uh, topic you both chose for the podcast. Feminism.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Was this... For sure the thing you knew you wanted to do or you just knew you wanted a podcast and decided feminism's the thing later.
2: I remember like several years ago uh, we started reading together the book of uh, Roxanne Gray, uh, The Bad Feminist and then we started watching a lot of movies, talking about it, reading articles, uh, talking with our friends. It's something we both care about and so it was no-brainer.
0: Tell us about some of the themes that you're covering on the podcast.
2: In the first episode, we talk about what it means to be a feminist and why people are afraid of calling themselves feminists. Uh, the second was on objectification of women in, in ads. And in third one, we focus on toxic masculinity. We still need to cover uh division of housework, domestic violence, street harassment, dating, and and so on.
0: And these are all common themes, sort of in feminist thought, but are are there any themes that for you feel very specific to the present context here that you're trying to highlight?
1: So recently a story was published, an article was published, about a woman who was in Armenia, she was traveling in Armenia, and she almost got raped. She sort of barely didn't get raped. And then she went to the court, and uh, the guy ended up in prison. And that sort of made other women share their stories. And so all these women started to share their stories of um, sexual assault anonymously on one of the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And there are over 200 stories, and so we definitely want to cover that. We sort of want to make a special episode just reading. just reading those stories, you know, mm-hmm. no, no comments necessary, just, just you know, it's, they're yeah. so powerful just by themselves.
2: Yeah, we want to use different voices to give different girls just to read it. And just like without any intervention, without any comments, just like, just leave it like that.
1: Mm-hmm. And then things happen, and we want to talk about this as well. Like the Hachatian sister, sisters who were from Russia and they had a very abusive father who abused them for years and they ended up killing him. So they're now facing court and they might have to go to prison for 20 years and so there's a lot of protests happening all over the globe including armenia and so i want to talk about that as well
0: one of the interesting things about the program is sort of the way you compose it so i want to Mm -hmm. talk to you both about that but maybe uh we can just take a break here and let our listeners hear a little clip this is a teaser for an episode about crying and masculinity and why there's this notion that boys shouldn't cry, so enjoy this teaser from Akan Jok. We'll explain it a little bit and then talk
2: more about the program. Ha. <laughs> Մնստացեք մեր գյուղում, այգում, բալի ու կերասի դույլերով շրջապատված, կողքից հազար ու մի գյուղական աղմուկ, ու համել հարևանները իրंचं հող ու պարտքն են համար ու մանդաթար միջամտել ու խոսել։ Լավի ձենը ճի՞ գալի մեր ձենը։ Դե հայդի
0: հավին
2: so who's the
0: sound engineer? Who does this editing? It's like really fantastically produced.
1: So we often think of things as we go along and we try to have fun. Like we'll start doing thing, a thing, having no idea how we're gonna edit it or. Yeah,
2: we want to make it interesting for listeners, not just like boring, like someone telling us. Like to make it, like you know, this um, unexpected way in an unexpected way.
1: Like for example, we had we recorded different women uh, mm-hmm. reciting a poem by Rupika, or thinking we use a line of each and then we played them all together and it was so powerful that we kept that as well. Like mm. we often don't know what we're doing, what we learn as we go. And
0: yeah. what did our listeners just hear in that teaser?
2: We interviewed a lot of like boys and then I was sitting with my father and I w- he was like, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, hey, you know, I'm doing this podcast about this and I was like, okay, wait a second. And I, I run. and I. Uh, took my recorder and I was like when did you cry last time and I started interviewing my father it was hard to like uh, to make him talk seriously and I found out about my father that there are topics that people think in a different way but when they need to speak up about it there is like uh, impressions like that they use it like my father, he said that, oh, boy is a, like, always he's a like, soldier. But I'm his child. I was like, I know that he, he doesn't think that way. He doesn't act that way. But when he needs to speak about it, he's like stereotype. Right. He yeah. has this stereotype about uh, how should boy behave.
0: He has a script in his head, a mm-hmm. discourse. and yeah, Part yeah, of yeah. it is making that discourse visible, I guess, yeah. Yeah. to the listeners. I, I guess a lot of this is very personal because you're you're talking with people who maybe some of the guests you know personally, if they're not like your parents or family members, like they're people from within your circle, but you're also trying not to intervene too much. So how do you strike that balance between letting the guests sort of speak and dealing with the fact that you are very much present, both as the interviewer and as someone who has a relationship with that guest? Mm. Does it help or does it, do you find that the fact that you're intimate with someone allows them to speak to you in a way that maybe would be difficult with a stranger or...?
1: Yeah, yeah, they open up. I mean, we ask them hard questions, so if we approach a stranger, they'll be like, go away, <laughs> you know? But yeah, I feel like it's, it's easier to interview friends who feel more comfortable talking about those things.
2: They don't always trust us and sometimes uh, I remember like two of our like guests like we were trying hey when did you cry last time and he was instead of telling the story he was like telling us his um,
1: attitude
2: his attitude uh to this like i was like hey just tell us a story like how how it felt when you were a child and you had long hair and like your classmates were bullying you like tell us that instead of telling us your attitude now Mm -hmm. as a like adult Mm -hmm. Because it's like, uh, it's easy to deal with it when you're looking back. But like, at the time, what did you feel?
0: Yeah. What do you do with, you know, on your desk in your house, when I I visited you, there was a book and the title was, it was in Armenian, but the title was translated or something. It was like, everyone should be a feminist, right? Yeah. But what about people who think that everyone shouldn't be a feminist? That feminism, maybe... Maybe it's not that they don't have an idea about it, but they actually have a negative impression of it. Do you are you able to make a conversation with those people? Do you imagine those people as part of your audience?
2: Yeah, for sure. And our first episode was about them, about people who don't consider themselves as feminists.
1: And it's so strange because they're like, I agree, about I agree with everything you say, but the word feminist, you know. And they're like, damn it, why? You know, because it- like because they
2: sometimes they they feel like I don't want to put on me like some label, like feminist or something. And also it's their right not to be feminist.
1: We talk to them. I mean, my hope is that we're gonna convince them not to be afraid of the word, Cause it's important. It's, I feel like it's important to call them to call ourselves feminist and change the idea of the, what, who a feminist is. And I feel like it's disrespectful to all the women who fought for our rights to be like, oh yeah, I enjoy, the, I enjoy those rights. But I'm not a feminist. I feel like it's very disrespectful and it hurts when I hear that.
0: What was the hardest moment for you so far recording?
1: So we're talking with one of the guys and uh, I was like, is there, is, is there something you could tell to a 14-year-old you, you know, that something you would want that person to think differently or behave differently? And he was like, no, no, absolutely not. And I was like, is there's nothing you've regret with them as a 14-year-old? And he was like, no. But then he told about the story that He sort of harassed this girl in school, and I was like, don't you worry about that? And he was like, no. And I was like, how? (laughs) You know? That was, I think, the hardest thing that I dealt with.
0: Well, when you pushed him on it, he said he he didn't regret it, but obviously he thinks it was something wrong that he did.
1: I hope so. Why why is
0: it so hard? Because this is a big issue right now. like, Mm -hmm. And there's often a resistance, particularly on the part of men, to own the mistakes they've made. Right. Where Does feminist theory provide us the explanation for why it's so hard to admit to past mistakes when you know you yourself know you're wrong and wish you didn't do them?
1: Because you want to think you're a good person. Not only that. That. I think
2: like, because these, mi- these mistakes made you who you are now. You, know? you need to make a mistake. It's like part of learning. It's part of adulting.
1: True, and I think that's what he told me at the end. It was like I needed to make everything that I made to be who, who I am now. But I'm not sure I buy it to be honest. Because if I, if I heard I think somebody He was, past, he was honest,
2: I'm you know? I, I I didn't want him to say that, oh, I regret, but, like, it's like, I appreciate that he is very honest. Yeah, me too. Us, yeah.
1: He was brutally honest. And, but
2: it's still right, you know? <laughs> yeah, I I think because he, he, he's one of our friends because of that, because he didn't expect him to say that,
1: mm-hmm. maybe
2: because of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well it's very useful to have these conversations with Mm -hmm. friends, because one of the troubles with talking about it with strangers is the fear of being judged, and if it's a friend hopefully there's less fear of judgement. So on the personal level I think that's very important. Uh, I'm also interested in more the social level, what's going on in Armenia right now. One of the other reasons why I wanted to talk to you about this, besides the fact that it's a well produced and super interesting initiative, is that there's been so much political change uh, in, in Armenia over the past year that a lot of changes that may have been happening with our generation in particular mm-hmm, sort mm-hmm. of came to the surface and actually manifested in a change of government. Our listeners will have to sort of Google <laughs> 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 Armenia 2018 to, yeah, to find out what Yeah, Velvet Revolution. I, yeah, Velvet Revolution, exactly, to find out exactly what happened. But it, it's sort of, revolutions open this whole can of worms mm-hmm. of different issues that come to the fore, issues that may not have been central to the revolution, but are sort of part and parcel of emancipation or any kind of push for equality that's usually in the language of most revolutions. So how do you see your program fitting into this?
2: Uh, I think that younger generation, the one born in independent Armenia, is really the one that made the
1: revolution possible. Yeah, and of course revolution is not going to solve all the problems overnight, but I feel like one of the best things that revolution brought is that we have feminist women in government. People like Lena Nazarian and Maria Karapetian and jean Andreasyan and Zari Zari Batoian, Batoian. you know, It's amazing. Just like having them on TV, saying things they believe in, you know, it's like, for example, March 8th, International Women's Day is always, you know, uh, widely celebrated in Armenia. It's traditionally celebrated by men, gifting flowers and chocolate to women. And nobody talks about women's rights. But this year we had prime minister and then people in government talk about women's rights. And that was just, you know, such a small thing, but such a big thing at the same time. Yeah, you it know? was
2: very important for us not to see women as a like beauty, but also who can have
1: influence. Another thing is that domestic uh, violence is a big problem in Armenia. And traditionally, the, the previous government has been ignoring that issue completely. Uh, but the new government just announced that they're going to open six new shelters for abused women. So, yeah. you know, things are changing.
0: Yeah. yeah, things are changing. There's a lot of optimism and a lot of new ideas and a lot of people, irrespective of their gender, feeling empowered for the first time. But there's also a lot of issues facing Armenia. There's economic issues, there's environmental issues. Uh, what do you say to the person that says, look, in this new government, in this revolution, there's a lot of work to be done in feminism. Isn't really the number one issue.
1: Armenia does have a lot of problems, and we need everybody to work on those issues. And when you limit your population to only fifty percent, I think it's a little less than fifty percent. Whatever percent the men are, you know, you're not using the entire potential of your country. You know, we have all these women who can do amazing things if you give them an opportunity and chance. And we need those women. If if there's any future for Armenia, you have to utilize women as well.
0: And what kind of, what types of feedback have you gotten about your project so far?
1: I have a lot of friends, female
2: friends, that they don't call themselves feminist and I was like, oh, I was asking them, hey, did you did you did you listen to our like last episode? What do you think? And they, oh, I agree with most of them that you said, but they started thinking about, oh, maybe I am a feminist, but like, oh, I need to. You know, I need to process it. Like not only they listen, they think about it. It's like one of our goals, to make them think about themselves, Mm -hmm. to make them see themselves as like feminist, as like powerful woman who can change the life.
1: The feedback has been positive so far. I'm kind of I know this is silly, but I'm waiting for a first hate mail. Mm. I want it so badly.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've been telling about it to everybody. I want a hate mail, just one, please. Because it means we're making a difference, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you need you need to have people hating you. Yeah. But we're we like we're trying to be, you know, not too radical, not to start with such a radical yeah. sort of just we had one, like, bad
2: comments, like, hey, are you... Did we? Yeah, like, are you talking, oh. like, you're not talking, like, proper Armenian, you need to use the word this way, and, like, we are talking just, like, it's a like colloquial speech, we don't want to use, like, this, like, formal Armenian language, right. like, it's a live language.
0: Well, you know? it's a new medium, though, right? People yeah. aren't used to communicating in this way.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So now that Armenia has its first feminist podcast, and it's up and running, and I look forward to seeing, I know however many episodes you plan to do, and whatever you plan to do with this project, what's the next first podcast that Armenia needs? What other topics out there need to be covered that either intersect with your own interests mm-hmm. or you think are like sort of in the same vein of very much grabbing the spirit of the moment?
1: So I'd love to hear some documentary podcasts on things that I don't know much about, like serving in the Armenian army, or um, somebody who has a mental disorder and lives in Armenia, or... Um, you know, a life of a trans person. Imagine if we had our own version of Ear Hustle, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. a podcast coming straight from Armenian jail. How cool would that be?
2: Yeah. And for me, maybe my, I didn't think about like which podcast will be like necessary, will be needed. Just, I would like to listen some podcast on uh, philosophy in Armenian from Plato to Zizek. Like just like, philosophy, how, how would sound philosophy in Armenian as like audio, you know? Format. Format, yeah. yeah.
0: Because there are lots of podcasts for people in Armenia to listen to in English or in Russian. Yeah. Right. What's different about doing it in Armenian?
1: You can tackle Armenian issues specifically, and you also create the language to talk about those things. Yeah, so you, you think about these things
2: within your language, so you're creating, and also not, not, not all people speak or understand or know english or russian there are a lot of people that don't know uh, english but like it'll be cool for them to have some podcast on i don't know on feminism for example or on philosophy or on like photography to be part of like uh, world and mm-hmm. and also it's important to translate the world into armenian to bring all these ideas to make them sound in
0: armenian
1: i mean it's a bit of a language we should use it more
0: <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I should do some more. <laughs> so there's one more question I want to ask about this, uh, and that is about the diaspora. Armenians are a global community, as much as any community in this world. speak a lot of different languages, but a lot of people outside of Armenia speak Armenian. And generally, representation of issues in the Armenian community, history, politics, society, uh, is heavily influenced by voices from the United States, voices from Lebanon, other parts of the diaspora. Uh, so, what role does your uh, program play in that global ecosystem of uh, producing conversation about what, what you see as universal issues, but also issues specifically impacting the Armenian community, in Armenia or otherwise?
1: We have quite a few people who listen to us outside of Armenia. I mean, they're diaspora, of course, because it's mm-hmm. an Armenian language. And I feel like maybe it's a way for them to improve their Armenian language skills maybe it's a way for them to feel more connected to Armenia to learn mm-hmm. what's happening in Armenia to even like know what people think in Armenia you know yeah
2: mm-hmm. and also one of my friends she's like also teaching Armenian she's using our audios to improve her students mm-hmm. like listening skills
0: mm-hmm. which is cool I mean, Gohar, you, you worked for Birthright Armenia for mm-hmm. a long time, right? That's I good, still That's your day job, right? Yes. That's what I mean. You've yeah, been yeah. working for them for a long time, and you have a lot of contact with these people who have an attachment to the country, but it's very fleeting. They come for the first time. They come for a short time. And they have all sort of their own conceptions of what it's supposed to be. And so, like, what would you hope that the diaspora community would take from listening to a podcast like yours or podcast from Armenia?
1: I feel like lots of those issues we bring up are universal. So if they think about these things and if they notice things about in their own countries things that they can challenge things that they can question that's amazing yeah. i mean the the stuff we talk is pretty basic but you never know right and also i think that diaspora
2: Armenian, armenians they have this idea about armenians like as a very like old very national, conservative conservative yeah that they don't know what's going on in the world and they are in their country with this like tradition
1: mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. Maybe? definitely yeah and part of it is true it's probably more conservative than you know the west but at the same time they need to hear voices of these young people young generation who are ready for change yeah, yeah. and that can be inspiring for them as well
0: I think a lot of Armenians in America would be very inspired by what's been going on in this country mm-hmm. in recent months and the past year or so, and very inspired by what you both are doing. Uh, thanks for giving me your time and coming on the program. It's a kind sort of an unusual episode for us, but a nice episode mm-hmm. to connect with our audience, which really contains a lot of people all around the world who are both interested in what's going, in Armenia, going on in Armenia uh, for, for one reason or another, uh, and also interested in topics like gender, social issues, race and class that we cover so much on. Ottoman History Podcast, Gohar, Anahit, thanks again for coming on. Thank
1: you. (laughs) Kahandi
0: And for our listeners who want to check out Akanchogh, this first feminist podcast from Armenia, you can find a link on our website, ottomanhistorypodcast.com. That's also a place to leave your comments and questions. uh, And check out all the other episodes we have related both to the topic of gender and society, and also the history and politics uh, of Armenia. That's all for this episode. Join us next time.